And welcome in to the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. Gary Stein along with the men's basketball coach Ryan Odom. A little bit later on, we'll chat with a director of athletics. Tim Hall will join us, talk about the athletic program, and we'll also meet the point guard that makes the UMBC men's basketball team go. But first off, Coach, uh, last when we left our viewers, we were heading up to Drexel to play the Dragons up in Philadelphia. Yeah. So let's recap that before we get to Towson sure. and then on to Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, we had two tough games in a row. Obviously traveled up to Philly the night before the game. Game, uh, you know, it was the actually the weekend of the Army Navy game, like we discussed right. you know, last weekend. So there was a lot going on in Philly, you know, that particular weekend, and uh, it was a great effort by our guys. Uh, we got off to a solid start, you know, again in the game, and, and played pretty well early. Uh, Drexel fought back tremendously, uh, took an eight-point lead uh, going into halftime, and uh, it was time for our guys to regroup. And uh, we got in at halftime. We ha we hadn't taken care of the ball. Mm -hmm. Up to that point, uh, you know, we were getting some balls knocked loose. Our transition defense was a little bit suspect. And uh, the guys really focused in the second half on trying to turn that around. And uh, we took care of the ball. We got back in transition. And offensively, we had one of our better halves. And the player who had his best half, and it was a UMBC record actually, was 27 points in the yeah. second half. K.J. Jackson, we're going to meet him in a minute. But yeah. was that the plan, was to put the ball in his hands in the second half? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've obviously added RJ in the backcourt with him now, and they're, they're playing, you know, exclusively together, which I think has helped KJ. The ball moves a little bit better. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he's able to get inside the defense. Um, he's the one guy right now that is consistently getting in there, and we need him to continue to do that. And he's making much better decisions of when to shoot and when, when to, to pass. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big thing, you know, for our team. And we need him to continue to do that. But that was a special, special half. And uh, once he gets going like that, he's hard to stop. 91-76 was the final by 15 up in Philadelphia. That made the UMBC record 6-4. and four. A couple of days later, you come back home yeah. against the Towson team. Beltway battle, 17 miles separate the two campuses. 59th time that the two teams have met. No daylight between you guys during uh, regulation and yeah. first overtime. Second overtime, they kind of separate themselves a little bit. A big three-pointer by Brian Fobbs, who ended up with 32 points in the game. Yeah, he was special you know throughout the game and we knew that going in uh you know he's a very good player he's proven that he can really shoot the ball and drive which makes you know when you have those two things going for you it makes it extra hard to guard him and uh you know credit Towson for continuing to hang you know because we came back after halftime and, and and took a lead and down the stretch had our opportunities there to, to potentially put it away, they fought back every time. And uh, it was a great game all around. Obviously, the result wasn't what we wanted, but I think Pat said it right. You know, I think both teams can grow from that experience. Yeah, they're, they're a grinded-out team, obviously, and they uh, controlled the boards, I think, 46-32. Dennis Tunstall yeah. had 15 rebounds. Question for you, uh, and i got to bring up the free-throw shooting. I mean, yeah, that was certainly a, yeah. uh, you know, a weakness of UMBC in that game. As a coach, I know you guys practice yeah. free-throw shooting. There's no doubt about it. What can you actually do, though? I mean, like, once the game starts and once they're playing, it's free-throw shooting has got to be more of a mental thing really than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it really can. And, and, you know, I think what happened in that particular game, because we were 11 for 13 against, you know, Drexel. The last you, two games you, know, you were 86%. Then you come yeah. back in this game and we had kind of what I call a blow-up hole. <laughs> like right. Have, like people have in golf. Right. And uh, we, we, we had a little bit of a triple bogey there. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it happens. You know, that's, that's, uh, it is what it is. But I think, 
as you really break it down, we didn't get to the line in the first half. At, at all. And right. so I think that's where you begin to get comfortable with the line. And so it's kind of when you're shooting them. And I think we started shooting them later in the game when it really was tight and meant something. And we hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And we weren't comfortable at that point. And, you know, once you miss one, then all of a sudden it can become a little bit of a challenge. But, uh, you know, KJ made, made two there to, to tie it up, you know, to, to get us into that overtime. Then we got the stop, you know, uh, to, to extend the game, which was good. So, I mean, it's, it's part of the game. Uh, Towson, on the other hand, shot it extremely well. And so you could look at that one stat and say they won the game there. And while I would say, yes, you're probably right, uh, there were countless other things that not only UMBC could look at, but Towson could look at as well that were factors within the game. And Towson didn't necessarily rebound like they're used to in the first half. Second half, they made it a priority to go to the, go to the glass. You know, for us, we had too many mental errors in that game. Uh, underneath out of bounds mistakes, switching mistakes, even on the last play. You know, things that we've been pretty good at so far this season that didn't show, the, show themselves in that particular game. So, you know, it's a process, and, and uh, you know, we got to go back and, and learn from, from what happened within that game. we got to be able to finish the game a little bit better than we did. And, uh, you know, I think we could turn it certainly into a positive. A quick question on Brandon Horvath, who is a very emotional player. I think he brings the crowd to life, and uh, certainly he and Max Curran are both exciting around the basket. He got teed up in the game. I think yeah. it was a taunting situation. What do you tell a player, uh, you know, after or even in practice about those types of things? Yeah, I mean, don't do it again, number one. Uh, you know, I think you, you learn your lesson. I mean, he had one in the Shenandoah game, mm-hmm. and you know, went back and looked at that, and, you know, it's a point of emphasis for the refs, and, you know, they're getting graded, you know, just right. like, you know, we're getting graded from an NCAA standpoint, you know, you want to you wanna have the best team that you can have, they want to they wanna advance as well as, as refs, and so if they, if they miss those things and they aren't calling them, well, then that's a point of emphasis, that's a strike against them, and, and so, you know, you can't be mad at the refs for making a, a call that is a point of emphasis. We have to be mad at ourselves for making a mental error there. Right. Uh, get back on defense. You made a great play. All right, we know better than that. And I'm not saying we don't want to be passionate while we're playing. I definitely want high fives and chest bumps and being excited to play. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to be disrespectful to the other team. So the record is 6-5, and five, and now Florida Gulf Coast University yeah. comes to town uh, on a Sunday night, 7 sure. p.m. start. And, uh, you know, what they did six years ago in the NCAA tournament, they made it all the way to the Sweet 16, uh, and they have the dunking mentality, and they've pretty much been doing that ever since. Your thoughts on this team? This is the first time yeah. they're coming to Baltimore, to what I, yeah. to what I know. Yeah, no doubt. First time I've ever coached against them, uh, you know, in my career. And, you know, they have a new coach, and Coach Fly has done a great job so far uh, early in the season. Uh, They have a good amount back, you know, from last year. They did lose a few key pieces, but they have tremendous size. And they've played a really hard schedule uh, early on, Michigan State and Colorado State. And they've they've traveled around and and played some games and haven't played that many home games, similar to us a little bit. Mm But, uh, you know, I like their team. They can shoot the ball. They're aggressive. You know, they get out and run. So our transition defense is going to be really, really important. And we just need to play well in this building. All right, we need to get it going here at home. We haven't played particularly well 
at home this season, and uh, this is an opportunity for us. I want to wanted zero in on one of their players. They've got a bunch of scores, but the one guy who's missed actually most of the season yeah. is Rayshon Scott, their big guy, 6'9", yes. 255. I think he's only played four games, eight and a half rebounds per game. That's a guy who, you know, at least on the defensive end and scoring as well, that's a guy that you have to count for. Yeah, no question, especially coming after, uh, in, uh, after last game. Yeah. You know, D- Towson did a really nice job of impacting us with their interior offense. Not only the offensive rebounds, but just getting it in there Mm -hmm. and scoring some on occasion. And so we've got to make sure that we do a really good job. I'm confident in our big guys, our players. You know, Dan's, you know, getting getting ready to have a chance to come back. I don't know if he'll be able to play in this game or not yet. That'll be determined after the next few days of practice. Uh, but Sam's, you know, coming along. Max has done a nice job. Max gives up his body night oh, in does. and night out. Charges, everything. Charges. Yep. And, you know, so does Joe. Mm-hmm. We've got to get some other guys joining that little party because I think that's <laughs> a, that can be a strength for us. All right, so that's Sunday night at 7 o'clock right here at the UMBC Event Center. We'll take a timeout here. When we return, we'll meet the director of athletics, Tim Hall, from UMBC when the UMBC Ryan Odom basketball report continues. And welcome back to the show. Gary Stein along with Ryan Odom, head men's basketball coach at UMBC, and in the middle, joined by the head guy, director of athletics, Tim Hall. Welcome in. Welcome. How Thanks are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I was just talking to you off air a minute ago, uh, and it's six years now. This is your sixth year here at UMBC. I, I mean, I think it's flown by. Uh, what are your thoughts as you are now in your sixth year here? Yeah, six years, it's, uh, it, it is, uh, in many respects, surreal that uh, it's gone by so fast. And I think when you're in an environment where you work every day with wonderful student athletes and first class coaches and staff and and a university that really wants to help you build an intercollegiate athletics program and one that uh, can be a source of pride for uh, alumni and the community, the region and beyond. And so when you have all the uh, oars rowing in the same direction, I I think it makes it uh, easy and then time goes fast. So um, we, we, we've accomplished a lot in, in, in five-plus years, but certainly not where I would like us to be uh, going forward. There's still a lot, uh, a lot more to get done uh, to support and serve these student-athletes. And so looking forward to leading those efforts. Well, one of the sources of pride for really both of you is this building. I mean, I, you know, for years, the, the RAC, the Retrievers Activity Center, was a beloved place. There's no doubt about it. Some great basketball and great sporting events were held there. But in terms of, you know, the atmosphere, there is nothing that that building had that this one does. This is a crowning accomplishment here. It sure is. And it is uh, what they will say is, you know, the, the, the jewel of the crown. And yeah. we have two jewels here with the crown, certainly Coach Odom and then also this building. And when I interviewed for the job and talked with Dr. Rabowski a lot, I, the, the unique value proposition that I talked about was if we could build basketball and have it um, hmm. have the type of success that we that we ended up having, it could be a lens through which others can view this institution that uh, maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity to prior to. And uh, we talk a lot about the three C's, and those are coach, conference, and commitment. And so certainly the America East is the right conference for us mm-hmm. right now. And we've shown that 
we can be competitive. We do have the right coach, there's no question. I think he's one of the best in America. And then the commitment piece is the, the commitment to all the things that build uh, something special. So we're really great in the fine arts here and the commitment can be seen in the fine performing arts building. We're committed in STEM and you can see that through the efforts that have been put into the Meyerhoff Scholars Program mm -hmm. relative to STEM. And so if we're gonna be good in athletics and, 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 our, and our signature sports basketball, we have to show the commitment, and this is this is this this, this building right. and this person over here. Those are the jewels in that crown that mm -hmm. are allowing us to make that happen. Ryan, on on your part, were these the things that you guys talked about when you were interviewing in the process? Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, when I you know began thinking about UMBC, it was it was all due to this guy right here and his leadership here at UMBC has been nothing short of spectacular uh, since the day he arrived. And you want to be with good people. You want to be with people that you trust, that have that share in a vision and a goal. And certainly, you know, Tim obviously is, is he loves basketball. And I'd be interested, you know, to kind of segue into, mm -hmm. you know, when did you first figure out as a young kid, or why did you uh, begin to grow your love for basketball? Why why was basketball so important to you growing up? What, it, you, know, what it, you know, it's it, it's an interesting question. It was just the sport that I gravitated to. Mm -hmm. And I remember on Sunday mornings before we would go to Mass, my brother and I, um, my older brother and I would play with um, the, the plywood backboards and the rims. We would play in the basement, and it seemed like he was always, because he was older, either North Carolina or one of the better teams, and I always had to be Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> Digger for, yeah, for, yeah, Digger for, for, right. for, for whatever, yeah, Kelly Trapuca, yeah. <laughs> I was. But, but it's just the sport that I always gravitated to, and, and, and I played, but I wasn't the, certainly the best player out there, and, but, but grew up in a family of educators yeah. and knew that I wanted to uh, have my, my life's work and, and, and my passion really being, you know, being an educator through sport. Um, and, and loving basketball and being at a school that's you know really basketball centric in terms of the anchor sport is something that's pretty special. But it's it's I love all sports certainly, uh, and we support them all here. But but basketball has a special place in my heart for sure. And but the, the basketball team has done absolutely special things. You know I don't think we've had a conversation since the win over Virginia in the, in the NCAA tournament. Just talk about that and what that has done to the UMBC basketball brand since. Well, I think from a from a from a basketball perspective, other institutions, other universities know um, uh, that we're serious. I mean, when I hear coaches and, and other individuals who in the the short home stand that we've had here or during the summer that have said, "Hey, we want to see your building, we want to tour, and we want to see you know what the locker room looks like and the commitment there, and the fact that we have a dedicated practice facility that I would put up against any in the country." Um, uh, and and, and I, we had a, uh, an all-department meeting yesterday, and I said, you know what, we're, we're special people doing special things, and the reason for that is because I will take people over things all the time. Mm. And yes, we have all of these um, uh, new tools and, and accoutrements that are helping us do the job, but it's always it's always about people. And Ryan has a great staff. Our student athletes are our first rate, and so the win has just heightened the attention to the university in, in, in every level, uh, academically, from a, from a student enrollment perspective. Applications are up, requests for applications are up. Um, there, there's a little bit of a spike. We already have really high achieving potential students, but as they're evaluating, not only are, are the, is the academic credentials high to begin with, but after Virginia, they're even a little bit higher. And so 
rising tide raises all ships. Right. I, I think the last stat that I read, and I'm not sure if I'm repeating it correctly, but the NCAA tournament, I think, is only um, number two or number three behind, I know, World Cup and FIFA, hmm. and then one other sport in terms of that first weekend of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. So there were so many eyes on that tournament and on that game and that historic upset that it has put UMBC even more on that proverbial map than it ever was to begin with. And so uh, what makes me most proud about it is that it, it, it articulates to the, the, the outside world that we are student athletes. You know, I was walking down the hall with Coach Odom the other day, and the first thing that we were talking about, because he had just finished up a conversation with Abby Day, who's the um, assistant AD for academics and works directly with the men's basketball program, how proud he was of how our, our guys are finishing. Mm. So the, the world is getting to see that when, when I took the job, I really, I really believe we could build basketball and we can do it in a manner in which success in academics and success in athletics was not mutually exclusive. You could have right. both. We had to put some things in place to do that. The, the community's been very helpful in allowing us to do that and being supporters and on board with us, and, and you can see the results. How much time do you guys spend together, like on a weekly basis? I, I mean, I wouldn't say that we spend a lot of time mm -hmm. together, but we talk every day. You mm -hmm. know, there's text yeah. messages, there's phone calls, and, and, and certainly he's the biggest supporter, you know, for me. You know, we lost the other night, and he's the first one to text me, you know, <laughs> right away. He knows, you know, how, how tough it is when you lose a hard-fought game like that. And uh, he's just a great leader. And uh, I know the other coaches feel that. I know our players feel that. And, uh, you know, it's been really special to, to be here with him, you know, these three years. You know, Joe, Joe Sherburn was quoted as saying that he's a dog lover. And one of the uh, reasons that he was drawn to UMBC was because of the mascot. Yeah. We had a conversation just before the show here today. You're a dog lover. You have three dogs at we home. Do. Yeah. Do you ever <laughs> yeah. talk about that with Joe at all? No, I haven't had a chance to oh, talk okay. with him about that at all. No, no, we haven't. But, uh, yeah, our family's dog lovers as well. And, uh I guess we're pushovers when it when it comes to getting a new a new puppy. I, th I think we all are to a certain yeah, degree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, six years, as I mentioned, uh, has, has gone by, not only basketball success, but you've had other successes as well. We had Pete Karinji on a couple of weeks ago who made it to the America East Conference Championship in soccer. A few years ago, he made it all the way to the Final sure, Four in yeah. soccer. You've had other yeah. successes. Sw swimming and diving has yeah. won multiple America East Conference crowns. Baseball. I mean, yeah. Baseball in 2017. Um, this athletic department has grown not only academically, but athletically as well over these last six years it has and I think if I've if I've brought anything I hope it's the ability to really hire the right people and, and I think you know Gary this is an overused phrase it's you know hire really good people and get out of their way and, and that doesn't by any stretch of the imagination imagination mean abdicate from serving right. them but, let's but, do their but, job but you hire them let them do their job right. and, and, and serve as a resource for them so I look at a lot of what I do is how can I help remove roadblocks for you so that you can be successful and, uh, and I think that that's why we've had a little bit of success. And then also, you know, coaches primarily, I think all really good employees do, but coaches especially put a lot of pressure on themselves. And I want to create an environment where coaches feel like, yes, we want academic success and we want to see athletic success. And it's sort of like going up the escalator. We hope it's a little bit more um, the fall, you know, the next year than it was the previous. But I really want them to feel that the only pressure most of the time that they feel is the pressure that they put on themselves. Mm. And so I heard Bill uh, Gates one time when I was flipping channels um, 
he and his wife Melinda were talking about their, their foundation and, and, and he said, you know, in life you need two things, time or money. And for us, and he was saying specifically to them, he said, for, for us, money doesn't matter. We want to do these things to, he was talking about some charities that overseas. And that really resonated with me and to say, well, yeah, when you're a mid-major institution who is growing a, a program, if you don't have the resources, you need time to be able to mm -hmm. get those. If you're hiring new people into positions where you haven't had a level of success, whether administratively or coaches, they need time. And so to create an environment where you can say, coaches, yes, we want to see success. Employees, yes, we want to see success. We're going to help you, but we don't want it to be such a highly pressurized situation that it's, that it's one more difficult burden you're feeling in, in addition to the pressure you already put on yourself. So, you know, I think if you can create an environment that's conducive to learning, allowing people to make mistakes, figuring out, you know, my dad raised this with a lot of sayings. One was success is failure turned inside out. And so if you, hmm. if you fail, how can you figure out how to turn that around right. and make it a success the next time? And isn't that what all education is really all about? And from a coach's standpoint, yeah. you've got to appreciate that Absolutely. philosophy. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it allows you to kind of just go, go for it. You mm -hmm. know, that's the easiest way to describe it, you right. know, without any fear of failure. Right. Tim Hall, thank you so much. Very we really appreciate everything you've me. done. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll yeah. take a time Thanks, out. Thanks, Tim. Yep. When we return, we'll meet the point guard that uh, makes the UMBC engine go. K.J. Jackson will be our guest right after this. Respect is hard work. Respect is dedication. Respect is earned on the court or on the field. Respect doesn't judge based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Respect is being the first conference to partner with the You Can Play Project. And the first conference in the LGBT Sports Safe Founders Club. Respect coaches, players, and the game. Respect similarities. Respect differences. Spread respect. Spread respect. Spread respect. And welcome back to the show. Gary Stein along with UMBC head men's basketball coach Ryan Odom and joined by the point guard of UMBC's men's basketball team, KJ Jackson. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice or to meet you. Or Kalen Jackson, yeah. right, which is your given name. Right. Do you have a preference or? Uh, no, I've, my mom always called me KJ as a okay. kid and uh, it just kind of stuck and just went along with it. Sounds sounds good. You've had two KJs in back to back years, worked, so it worked the first time. That's it's pretty good. Again. Absolutely. Um, first thing I wanted to ask you. So you're from Houston, Texas. Correct. What about the winners up here? And these aren't terrible winners either. But yeah. is, has it been an adjustment for you? No, it's a big adjustment. Um, mm. Last Christmas, I was at home. It was like 80 degrees. So it's been a lot different being up here, uh, just dealing with the cold and. It's, it's another, another thing you just got to adjust to. But it's, it's been all right so far. It hasn't been terrible. Coach, what about you? You're probably yeah. not used to winners either, really. I you mean, know, we lived in D.C. for three years, okay. um, you know, when Connor was first born. So, you know, I, I got, you know, that, that opened my eyes a little bit to the cold. Uh, but traveling up to Vermont, you know, the last couple of years, New Hampshire and Maine, and Maine you know, a couple of those places, you know, that, that'll really be eye-opening. <laughs> when we get up there. Yeah, we'll have to see what uh, what that's all about. Yeah, uh, it's what, really cool, actually. What drew you to him, Coach? Yeah, I mean, just the whole package. Mm -hmm. uh, and ironically, it's, it's pretty similar to Ricky, you know, in terms of, you know, he's about all the right things, you know, from an academic perspective. You know, that was why he was drawn to UMBC initially, and I'll let him elaborate on that in a second. And then, you know, from, from a, a basketball standpoint, I mean, he's an elite-level athlete. Uh, he's got a high IQ with the way he plays. He's very unselfish. He's an elite defender, uh, a guy that, you know, can really 
bother the other team's player. I mean, he's, yep. he's doing that on a nightly basis. He's one of the leaders in the country in steals, mm-hmm. you know, per game, which is really impressive and not surprising at the same time. And what drew you here? Um, a big uh, academic standpoint. My mom was very, very big on academics anywhere I went. Um, so that was one of the major keys. And then just to be able to come into a, academic, a good academic setting and be able to play good basketball. It's not too many schools that have, you know, both components. And um, when I came on the visit, it was just it was just a good understanding of, of that and just getting to know coach and everybody else on the staff and everybody else I was already here. It was just it, it felt right and it felt good. And after talking to my parents, it didn't take too long to. So I want to commit. He made me wait a little bit. He did make me wait. (laughs) Well, that that brings up the question because um, UNBC's success in the NCAAs last year happened in March, middle Mm -hmm. of March. Where were you in the recruiting process at that time? Uh, oh, no, I was, I was actually committed. committed. Yeah, I was committed. You had already committed. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think signed. And yeah. Yeah, I was signed before the season almost got started. Really. Okay. Yeah. So what were your thoughts as the season was going on? You were kind of watching it from afar. Right, yeah. Could you believe what you were seeing? Um, I mean, I was shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't here every day. Um, I talked to a couple of guys, uh, uh, Max Portman, who was here last year. Uh, he went to Temple with me, and so, you know, I was constantly talking to him every day, you know, especially after I committed. You know, uh, I just I wanted to be here as much as I could. Obviously, I couldn't, but um, it was it was really amazing to watch and just to know that that's where I was going to be. And, you know, these were the coaches that I was going to surround myself with and uh, the new athletic facilities and everything. Like, it was just an exciting time and uh, just very, very fun to look forward to. So he had one of the most interesting, you know, conversations with our overall leader and Dr. Rabowski. Tell me about that wow. uh, exchange when you were on your visit. Oh, yeah. He, um, when I came on my visit, I, talk, I got a chance to, to sit down and talk with him for a, a good minute. And uh, we talked about a lot of things, and he asked me a lot of questions. And it was, it was a very, very deep conversation. And um, he was just telling me a, a lot about uh, the campus and the school and about Coach Odom and, and how Coach Odom ended up here and why he wanted Coach Odom to be here. And um, by the end of the conversation, he was like, uh, I, feel, I feel like you're going to be here. I, I'm calling it right now that you're – you're going to come here. And <laughs> I, my, I sat there and I was like, mm, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's right, going good right. so far. You weren't tipping your hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell him uh, immediately. <laughs> but after, after a week or so and I, and I just knew, I was like, he was right. And here I am. So. So, Ryan, what you're telling me then is that Freeman Rabowski is your, like, ace in the hole recruiter. <laughs> he, he is. He's the crazy one who, not to use him, Absolutely. Right? I mean, no question. I mean, he, he is this university. He wouldn't tell you that, but he is in yeah. a lot of ways. And, you know, there's so much respect that, that uh, is there, not only from the people here on campus, but nationally and worldwide. Right. And, and that's a, special. And that's what I was going to ask you. Are you aware or were you aware before you sat down with Dr. Rabowski about his reputation, what type of an educator he was? I was on my visit. Um, I talked to Jairus a lot and me and him got to sit down and talk. Um, and he was Jairus. Uh, Dr. Rabowski was Jairus's mentor. And so he ended up telling me a lot about, you know, about Dr. Rabowski and what he meant to him and what he was doing for him and just the conversations that they had. And, like it was, it was just funny to me how every time I would stop to talk to somebody, or we were just, you know, 
they were telling me something about the school. Dr. Robowski always came up mm -hmm. and how, you know, influential wow. he was and how powerful he was. And so by the time I did get to the meeting, it was I kind of I, I still didn't fully understand, but I had a good idea of who he was and what he meant to everyone around. And that that meeting actually told me a lot about KJ, too, because mm -hmm. a lot of kids will go into that meeting and, and they'll be very nervous, rightfully so. And it's just a big moment, you know, to get in there. And he handled it with such grace and maturity. And, you know, it wasn't just Dr. Rabowski, you know, talking all about UMBC. It was he's going back at him and, and asking questions. And it was a, in a real genuine conversation, which you don't see a lot of times. And so the maturity, you know, that, that KJ has was another reason, going back to your initial question, why I knew he would be a great fit here. You were, if not, I'm, I'm not mistaken, the leading scorer in Temple College JUCO history, 1,404 points in two years. You, you move up to the Division I level. What are, what's the difference, or is there a huge difference, between JUCO basketball, like what actually happens on right. the court, right. and, and what's happening here? There's, there's, a, there's a big difference um, just in the level of first individual play. Uh, skill sets are a lot different. Mm -hmm. um, guys can... Can, you can get away with a lot more uh, in JUCO and even lower in high school, obviously, but you can get a lot away, away with a lot more just being athletic and having natural ability. I feel like the higher you go up, the, the more you have to hone in on your, your individual skill set. And then in junior college, everybody's kind of Everybody wants to win, but at the same time, everybody has the you know get out of JUCO mentality. Gotcha. So right. it's 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 harder to find teams that want to play as a team in JUCO. And when, when guys do that, they're pretty hard to beat. But here, um, once you get up to the Division One level, it's about wins. And it's very, very often, and it's not very often you find teams that just have individual players that just, you know, they'll handle everything. And so here you have to you have to be one with the team and you have to be able to play with the team as well as when it's your time to, to make a shot or stop the ball or whatever. You have to be able to individually sit down and and go forward with that. That's got to be music to your ears yeah. to come from your point guard. I mean, that's it yeah, no right question. there. I mean, that's the, your point guard is the extension of the coach. And, and uh, you know, we've been very fortunate, you know, it, just in my coaching career, I've been very fortunate to have some great guards over the years. And even as an assistant coach, we had some tremendous ones. And, and that they, they lead the team in a lot of ways. They have the ball the most, and, and they decide a lot of things that, a lot of the things that happen throughout the game. And, you know, KJ is doing a wonderful job. So here you are, right? You're a JUCO transfer from Temple College. Right. You come to a D1 program, but not only do you come to a D1 program, he's given you the keys to the program, basically, right. right? But you're coming to a program that had three tremendous seniors in its backcourt last year yeah. that did something that no other team has ever done before in the history of college basketball. What are you thinking, then, as he gives you the keys to the program? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's is it's an opportunity that nobody else in the in the country right now has. I mean, to to sit back and watch um, from afar last year and just enjoy everything that they did, and to be able to say, you know, that's where I'm going to end up. That's where I'm going to be, and to now actually step in, you know, the the roles that they had. It, it's exciting, and for for Coach O to do that. I mean, for me, it was it was it was a, it was a, a bit shocking at first. Um, how fast it all rushed up. I mm -hmm. remember uh, in the summer, being here in the summer sessions, I would um, follow him outside, and I told him one time, you know, I can't wait to start playing. Yeah. And, you know, he told me, it was like, it's, it's going to come fast, so you can't, <laughs> can't just skip to the games. And at the time, I was like, ah, okay. But once we got started, it, 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 it's gone. It's going. And so 
for that. I mean, it's just exciting. And every day I just want to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and try to get better in each way um, and just help the team win and get back to that, that same position and do it again. So if he's the coach on the floor and you're the coach on the sideline, what do you guys talk about? During the game? During the yeah, game. I mean, and a just lot of like times it's strategy. It, it could be, what's the next play? I need you to do this defensively. Mm -hmm. Here, get, get uh, Joe to do this or Max to do this. Remind him of this. I mean, that's what a point guard does. He's an extension of, of, your, of the coach. And a lot of times it's just messaging and right. communication. You know, echoing calls, you know, is really important. So everybody's organized and they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the guard's job. Uh, your performance in the Drexel game, the second half, was a UMBC record-setting performance. 27 points in the second half of that game is an all-time record. You had 31 for the game. They talk about, you know, athletes about being in the zone. Right. What were you there? What was that second half performance all about for you? Um, just not wanting to lose. Uh, we've, we've been in a lot of close games so far this year, and we've, you know, time and time again, we... We, we put ourselves in a, in a good position as far as fighting back and being able to even be in those situations after, you know, having a few slip-ups and, you know, having a little mishap here and there. And that was just, I mean, sometimes uh, you just, you just got to say, I don't, I don't want to lose this one. And you just want to do whatever you can. Um, kind of like the other night, um, you just, you just want to fight as hard as you can. And uh, you, yeah, that, that particular day, everything was just falling. So, I just want to keep getting to the rim and just keep going. And if they were letting me get there, I was going to get there. And if they stopped it, we were just going to find the next open guy. Yeah, sounds good. Well, it's on to Florida Gulf Coast. You guys have a big one coming up on Sunday. Yeah. Good luck to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. KJ Jackson, awesome. Man. Thank you. Right. Coach, good I think job. we're out of time, my man. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank that'll, you. That'll do it uh, for the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. We'll see you next week after UMBC takes on Florida Gulf Coast University. Thanks for watching.